You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hey, people-centric leaders. We are so excited to join you because we just did a really, really fun episode. And what was the topic of that episode, gang? Buy-in. Buy-in. It was buy-in. I wanted to make sure I had buy-in. Buy-in. Buy-in from the rest of the team on that. I didn't even tell you guys I was doing that. So we jumped right on. I immediately threw you guys under the bus by asking a very quick question, which we normally don't do. But we did it this time. But we did it this time. It right? was, yeah, it was super smooth. <laughs> Right. It's just fun to be able to jump in like this. Uh, we just did a whole set. Uh, we did a topic of buy-in and, I, you know, I think we're getting good response from that. But I had a client that asked me yesterday this question of building trust is a big part of buy-in. So how do you do that? How do you build trust? And we were working within a team where they were talking about how there's a lot of distrust on the team that has occurred over time. And so they've decided they don't want to be like that. They want to trust each other. I think most people want to trust the people that you work with on a day-to-day basis, but that's not just a switch. You can't just say, hey, trust me, trust me, you know, so that you can't just do that suddenly. So what builds trust? How do you build trust? What is trust? How do you build it? How do you foster it? And why would you need that for business? That's what we're going to talk about today. That's the topic. And we've got an all-star group here with us. Not to say that the people who aren't with us are not all-star, but they're not here. So they're dead to us today. That's just what we're going to do. So we got Philip sitting right next to me. Philip, do you trust me? I do. Okay, that's great. I'm going to do a trust fall. You ready? Ready. You're on the camera. I got you. Hey, he caught me. It's that easier was, in chairs. It was easier in yeah. chairs. That was chairs such a good me. effect for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you could if you were watch, not watching on video, you didn't see that. So you'll have to go to our YouTube you version of this. I actually see that Don up and held him over my head. It was the best trust fall in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it was like dirty dancing, but it was not like dirty dancing. Yeah. The, the, the lifts yeah. scene is what I was thinking, but it was nothing <laughs> like that at all. Especially if you're at home listening to this on a podcast episode, because I just put a weird thought in your mind. But Philip's with us. I'm gonna. We might have to edit all of that out. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, and then we've got Bethany Taff on her team here. Uh, Bethany, I don't know what to ask you about trust because it's a deep question. How do you feel about this topic? I think trust is good. We should trust the right people. You're so on the pro trust side. Maybe not all the people. Yeah. You're in the pro trust. So you're for trust. For trusting the right people, Don. Trusting the right people. Okay. That's a lot. I like that point. So we're going to need to talk about like, what are the right people? Who are the right people? And how do you become a right person to be trustworthy? That's good. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's a good setup for us. Yeah. Stephanie, what would you add on this topic before we jump in and dive deep here? Stephanie Anderson from our team is here just to introduce her. What would you add? (laughs) Thank you for the formal introduction. Um, yeah, I think for me, I am, I'm an optimist. I tend to like give people my trust somewhat naturally and then like hope they don't break it. So I know that that's even something of like, how do you approach trust that we're probably talk about in this episode? Cause I know not everyone feels the same way that I do. Other people are like, no, people have to earn your trust first to get it. 
and then they can still lose it. Whereas I generally take the approach where I'm like, I try to believe the good and, and trust people. And then if they break my trust, then, then we lose it, but you kind of have it. So I'm interested to hear everyone's thoughts on that too, of like, do you innately trust people or do they have to quote unquote, earn your trust in some way to get it? And how does that work at work? I like that concept because when we think about trust, it's a weird kind of a word because there's not just two things. There's either I don't trust you or I trust you. There's actually probably like three broad categories, right? There's the I don't trust you yet category of I just met you. I don't distrust you, but I don't trust you yet. It's like, so a lot of times when we see teams and we say, hey, do you have trust on your team? They may say no. But it doesn't mean that they hate each other. They're not distrusting of each other. It just means that they haven't built the relationship yet to build the trust, right? Then there's the trust side of saying, yes, we trust each other. That means I know you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And you know, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. And it allows you to be able to fit more within your role and know other people are going to fit those roles, which is very, very beneficial and makes the org chart thing work well. It makes the communication thing work well, because even if somebody miscommunicates or says something bad, if there's trust there, there's a little bit more uh, grace that goes along with that. Right. And then there's the third type of trust, which is like, I, I anti-trust you. I do not trust you. You have broken my trust in before. I believe that you're probably not going to, you're not worthy of my trust. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, and that's the wrong person going back to Bethany's comment earlier uh, on, on all of that. So why is, first of all, let's talk about like, when do you build trust as a team? If we think about the different types of trust that we just laid out, when do we encourage teams to think about building trust or managers or coworkers together? I would say most all times, because uh, an essential ingredient in team is, of course, trust. Uh, and I always love one of our values here is truth as well. And I think, you know, it's really easy to say, trust your team and people are, you know, inherently positive and just lean on that everyone wants to do a good job. Uh, but then things go wrong. And what you do in the middle of that really, I think, can tend to build trust. And so I think trust is also kind of a weird concept because you can trust someone super important to you, your partner, your spouse, your family. Um, but it's it's maybe there's some things you don't trust them with because you learn skill sets or things, you know, mm -hmm. or even like you might trust your banker or your attorney, but you don't know them nearly as well as someone else. So I think value also impacts how you trust someone. So someone's accountably brought value to you before and they consistently improve your value. So I think that's a piece of trust that's important too. And you see that there's a benefit then. Um, so even if things go wrong, you're like, we've had experience. I know you do good things. We can work through this together. That's a good point. That's, that separates the idea of trust and the relationship a little bit because you could have a good relationship with somebody. You know, my my wife trusts me to go to work and do the things that I need to do. She does not trust me to fold up my shirts and put them in the drawer. <laughs> right. And it's because of I am good in one area and bad in the other area. But it doesn't mean that because I distrust you in any one thing that you're doing that you're going to we're going to totally pitch the relationship. Uh, I like that point. Do you ever see the people that you don't distrust on a big picture, Stephanie? Oh, well, I was actually thinking about your question before that, um, but of like, when should you build trust? And I think like the ideal answer to that is like at the beginning of the relationship, right? Of like, in a, in a 
ideal perfect scenario. If you're working on a team, you build trust early on. So that way then it's easier down the road. Cause we all know it's easier to like earn someone's trust for the first time than to try to rebuild trust after it's broken. Um, and so, I mean, I know just thinking of a situation was talking to someone I know recently, they just got a new leader, um, over their part of the organization and the team is kind of struggling with this person because they came in pretty hot with a lot of new ideas, um, a lot of new things they want to accomplish. And they're like, you know, we don't necessarily disagree with anything that they want to do, but they never really took the time to get to know us or hear what our perspectives on this might be. So there's like some trust that's lacking there because now they're questioning motives for this person. So the person outran the relationships that they had. They overestimated them maybe, or just underestimated the importance of those relationships. Yeah. Or like, because of the nature of my position, the team should naturally trust me, you know? And like, I think that's a part of all of our narrative paradigm, right? Is like, we come in and being like, well, you should trust me. I am trustworthy and I am excited. And these ideas that I have are for everyone's benefit. So just like, jump in the pool guys. And everyone's like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. Like what temperature is the pool and is it cold or warm outside? And people have questions that they need answered before they jump in. Yeah. I'm even thinking about, I don't know, this is a weird analogy, but it's almost like if you walked into a restaurant, like a busy restaurant and just yelled, everybody said, Hey everybody, I got a great idea. Follow me. And you ran back out. I don't think anybody would get up and run after you, right? People are going to be like, what was that? Who did that? Why did that happen, right? A few few optimistic children who are like, this sounds super fun. (laughs) Bethany's kids would be right behind me. They'd be like, yeah, this is awesome. I don't know what we're doing now, but this will be Dangerous, really. (laughs) Yeah. And I, but I think that it's funny, you would, that is obvious and we laugh at that, but that does happen in teams. And we do see that happen uh, from time to time where somebody will suddenly, hey, everybody follow me, or even the boss does that. Like, okay, I've hired you and I haven't really spent a lot of time with the individual employees. And suddenly you show up someplace and say, I need us to work together to solve this really in-depth problem. Who's with me? Let's do it. And they turn around and no one's behind them. Like no one's going to follow them. So before we jump into the trust area. Let's just talk about relationships just in general at work. So let's say we're starting, I'm thinking of like Band of Brothers. Anybody ever watch that on HBO? I always like that show, but I mean, I can get, I can set it up for you. The idea is it's the, it's this company that's about to go to battle, right? To the, and, and, and go to Europe for, for World War II. And they go through the training first. Uh, and they go through the training and they build these really strong relationships with each other. And then when they go out into battle, then they really trust each other. They've already built that trust in those relationships because they spent some time together. Uh, but then when new people come in, because they have replacements that come in mid-year, they struggle with those people a lot of times. That's where a lot of the conflict arises because that trust is not built. Uh, so how do we start to build the relationships? Just, just basically. So a new member starts to a team or you're a new member on a team, or maybe you just don't know your team very well. How can you start to build those relationships? I think vulnerability is a piece of this. And I know that's a word that not everybody is comfortable with. So maybe just on like a basic level is like, if you want to get to know people, you also have to allow yourself to be known a little bit. Like relationships are reciprocal, like trusting relationships are really reciprocal where it's, Hey, like 
I want to get to know you. If I am, you know, the leader here, or I'm the person that's been on the team previously, because we know we have goals and things we want to work toward. And so sometimes we just get in our own head of like, well, I need to figure out if this person is willing to work toward our goals. And sometimes we miss the moment of also letting ourselves be known and letting that person get to know us and ask our question, ask questions of us and um, why our goals are those things and not being defensive about that. And just saying like, yeah, like this person will have questions and they're going to want to know some things about me in order to share things about themselves. Yeah. I was going to add to that another, like another thing, but John, I don't know if you had something you were going to like build on with what Stephanie said. So I didn't mean to no, go ahead. Jump in. Well, I was going to just jump to like another thing that I think that you can do is sometimes, and maybe this is the thing that you should, shouldn't do. Um, but I was thinking about how sometimes in our workplaces, like we just like to put our arms around our own work a little bit sometimes. And we don't want to like let people into it too. So it's not even just like the vulnerability. I think vulnerability is one piece of it and the like relationship building, but then it's also like, how do you effectively collaborate with people too? And I think if we're constantly like wrapping our arms around our own stuff and sort of siloing ourselves and putting ourselves in a corner and never saying like, hey, I want to invite you in also to like the things that I'm working on and also like, what is it that you are focused on too? And how can I support you in that? Um, that can help to start break down walls and start to help, you know, to build trust with people too, so that we know that it's like, we're, it creates more of that team mentality than, than the like, okay, we all are working in our own corners. And if I mess something up, then it's all on me. Or if you mess something up, it's all on you. And we don't have the support of each other. Yeah. There's an old school mentality. I think at work that you, why can't your coworkers be your coworkers and your friends be your friends? And can you, should you have friends at work and, and that space? But I know Gallup in their engagement surveys have found one of the biggest predictors of engagement is, do I have a friend at work? And I think that the idea of that is let's, let's put friend as loose. Like let's say it doesn't mean that you hang out together, even outside of work. It doesn't mean that you go to the bars together on the weekends or that you tell them your deepest, darkest secrets or those types of things. But it does mean that you have a relationship with that person and that you enjoy that relationship. So I think there is a case here for breaking down some of those barriers. You know, we've done we've we've had discussions about barriers and we've done other episodes about that. And, you know, your work life is not your family. There's not you know, it's different. It's a different kind of a friendship. But you do need to have there is a benefit for having relationships with the people that you work with on a day-to-day basis. And going back to what Stephanie said, I think a lot of that does start with asking and answering questions with each other. You know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, what do you like to do? Where does that come from? What's your, what's your, what, what gets you excited during the day? Uh, or if you're, if you're answering questions back, being a little bit open about yourself and your life, being a little bit vulnerable to be able to share uh, that opens up those conversations. And a lot, sometimes we don't think those types of things should happen. In fact, again, if you go old school management idea, it's like, no, 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 we don't need those water cooler conversations. We don't want to have those because it's, it's work. When you're here, you're on the clock, start the work, don't have the chit chat, cut out the chit chat. But the chit chat might be building relationships and it might be starting to be, even build trust amongst team members. So just thinking, just thinking about that a little bit deeper. Uh, let's dive into the trust component a little bit. So 
There is some research on trust, fortunately. So we can go back to the science, which we like to do at people-centric from time to time, is what's the science behind trust. And the science says that there's three components that have to exist to build trust. And if any one of those three components are missing, then the trust will not build. That doesn't mean that there's antitrust, but it means that the trust will not build up. Logic, authenticity, and empathy, right? Those are the three components that research shows that are building. Uh, let's start with the authenticity because I think that's kind of the obvious one. What is authenticity and why is that important, do we think, for building trust? Stephanie's example is great because, you know, early on when you're not playing a game, I think authenticity is simply building relationship for the sake of knowing someone else. And you know that leads to good things and, and all those other pieces. So it is strategic, um, but you're not doing it with this end goal. It's genuinely just, this is who I am. Who are you? And in the context of work and beyond, like, what does that look like? And how does that make your life better, more challenging? And, and that, I think, if you're talking about two social capital, I think what really is the base of social capital is almost trust capital. And so it's kind of like paying those early pieces, which eventually lead to dividend withdrawals, um, even if you're not investing that much in the relationship later on. You know, I know your family and we interact. And so you kind of just maintain instead of building from there. So you get to like different levels in the relationship by being willing to share something that might be a little harder to share. Certainly. That's why I tripped on the word vulnerability because it's a big part of authenticity Yeah, is the idea that you have to be vulnerable for a minute. You have to sometimes say like, yeah, that's upsetting to me, or this is difficult for me to share, or this is that. And if you're, or I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know how to approach that. Can you help me with this? Asking for help is a big vulnerable uh, opportunity and that builds authenticity. Uh, what happens if we try to fake it? There's the idea of fake it till we make it. And I think bosses especially do that. It's the idea like, well, we, the CEO or the manager or the supervisor has to always have the answers. What is the effect of the supervisor faking it and saying, oh, I do know all the answers when other people clearly understand that they don't? Well, I think it's isolating for one thing. <laughs> for a leader, it's really isolating for you. So maybe don't put yourself in that kind of a position. Um and also, I think then it places, I mean, because you've put a lot of pressure on yourself, then too, then you have a lot of, like, people are looking to you for, to be able to know all of the answers or to be able to make really big things happen. And then when you don't meet those expectations, um, then your team is disappointed and it can cause lots of disengagement within your organization and all of those different things. And then you lose the trust of, of your employees. So. Yeah. Sounds like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to add to that, I think if you, if you operate that way, where it's like your team has to come to you and you have to be right about everything and you have to have the answer for everything that's pretty shallow or fragile trust, I guess I would say, because then trust breaks the minute I don't know the answer. Or the trust breaks the minute that I do, I get the thing wrong or I, I can't figure it out. Then like we've seen that happen, you know, in workplaces or cultures, or you see in the movies where all of a sudden the team's like, wait, why have we been trusting the captain of this ship if they don't even know this, you know? So I think it creates an accidental pitfall when you lead that way and you build trust with your team just based on I always have the answer and I always know what to do because that's not true. We don't know one always anything. Um, and we are human beings. So I think it's a piece of that authenticity to like show your team, like 
I am a human at work here and I try my best, but like, sometimes I don't know the answer and I need help. Sometimes I don't always see the solution and I need input from the team because then when crisis happens, the team trusts you and they know they can like pile on support versus saying, why don't you know what to do? I can't believe that we ever trusted you and got on this boat in the first place. Yeah. If you try too hard to play a role that other people have a certain image of you and that role is oversimplified, you risk becoming a character in their story that may not be entirely true. Right. So you think about a person who's like, oh, that person never makes me. You think you never make mistakes. You think you're flawless and you're laying that out. Well, you become let's say you never make mistakes. Let's say that perception. Let's say you you really don't. And you never show that vulnerability. Now you're unapproachable. Like it's I can't even talk to you. I don't know. I, you, you obviously know everything. I'm not going to bring anything to you. And then you think about that. Take that another step further. Like, like Bethany said, it's isolating because nobody's going to come and talk to you and say, hey, I've got an idea that might be better. Or maybe you have made a mistake in this area. People will keep their mouths shut and then the communication's cut. And then you don't find out that there's opportunities. You're not leveraging the team that way. The empowerment's dialed way up, but the alignment's dialed way down. Mm. You're missing. Yeah, missing something. It makes me think of, uh, you know, The Wizard of Oz, which to me as a kid, I hated that movie. Not because of the monkeys. You know, I think a lot of family friends would be like, that movie killed me as a kid. Um, but for me, it was, I, I'm a big believer. I love to believe in people. And so being little and seeing, you know, this grand mission to find the wizard. And then that curtain's pulled back. And the response, it's just this scared person who literally runs away. Don't go. And I think that is what happens to anyone in leadership or influence when you build that curtain so tall and so thick, then any attempts to kind of bridge that gap, it's just way more painful for you and the people that, so yeah, to your point, that's it. Definitely you become a caricature and that's gotta be a tough burden too. Yeah. That's it. I like that analogy. I haven't thought about that for the wizard of Oz, but you're right. It is a disappointing ending because you're expecting this whole thing. And then the reality doesn't match you know, what the, what the, what the dream was. And that's a big letdown. I was thinking about a local politician who took sides on a local issue here. I'm gonna, I'm keeping it generalized. I'm sorry for everybody, but I'm keeping it generalized. And they kept speaking out against this issue and then changed their mind. And this local politician went up and gave a whole talk at a meeting and said, Hey, I was feeling this way about this, but the more I've had these conversations, the more I've listened to other people, the more I realized that maybe I was missing something and I'm changing my position. And I have heard multiple people talk after that about that person and how much they respect that person for doing that and how much they trust that person for doing that. And that politician just recently ran for re-election and won pretty significantly. And a lot of people I talked to that said, well, I didn't agree with some of the decisions they made, but knowing that he's willing to change his mind and knowing that he was willing to be vulnerable and authentic in that moment and share what he's thinking, that I, I will support you for that. Um, which is which is cool and refreshing actually in the political world that we live in right now where we think that compromise is bad. Uh, it, it's probably beneficial to think, no, authentic, being authentic is a good thing for building trust. Yeah. And I think that like, you really hit the nail on the head with that of the authenticity, because like humans, like we are dynamic and we do change our opinions. And when we get new information or we have a new experience, like we change, we're constantly evolving and in the process of becoming. And so I think you know, as leaders, sometimes we lose that authenticity when we just kind of go on these 
campaigns within our organizations that this is the only thing that's important, or this is the only thing that we care about. And then something changes and you have to change your viewpoint on it. It can be hard for the team to then trust you. So instead of saying, oh yeah, this is, this is this, and I will always believe this. And, you know, the use words like the nevers and the always start coming out, like catch yourself for a minute and say, right now, I think this is the best thing that we could be doing. But I also know like we may not always do it this way. It could change in the future. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So let's talk about the second component. And I'm, I'm jumping around on the three that I said, because I like the, the, the logic one surprised me the most listening to it. But so I want to go to the empathy one first. Uh, is let's talk about empathy now. Why is empathy important in terms of building trust? And how does that show up maybe in the workplace? Well, I think empathy is really important, but I also know you guys have heard us talk about this before because our communication styles, we've talked about communication styles and um, in other episodes, I think too. And so um, empathy is my my number one, but I think it's one of the easiest ways to just like build connection with people right off the bat. And so, because it's not, you know, empathy is not necessarily that you have to feel all of the emotions of the other person. It's just that you have to acknowledge the emotions of the other person or what's going on in their world. And so, um, and I think simply doing that is important because it's not even that you're giving advice to people. And I think people really appreciate that too, is it's just sort of saying like, Hey, I see and hear you. Um, just wanted to let you know, you know, and, and that's really it. And not, and then not having to offer much else. I was so proud of my daughter the other day. She's at like a day camp this week. And she was like, she said that, you know, she talked to one of, um, she met a friend, you know, and, and her friend had, had said something about how she, you know, she doesn't live with her mom and dad anymore. And she really just lives with her mom and that, that they had been separated and stuff. And, um, and Blair said that she told her, you know, that must be really hard. And she said, yeah, it is. And it was just like this moment of like, I was like, I'm so proud of her for, for just kind of taking that moment. And also like, I'm sure that helped just build a connection for her with this person, this other kid to sort of just have another friend for that week too, that that wasn't her intention behind it was to say, oh, I'm trying to like, I'm going to intentionally like try to do this thing to be able to, you know, make a friend or whatever. Um, but just really kind of seeing and hearing a situation that she shared with her and acknowledging and then them moving forward and being able to kind of like bond in other ways too. So anyways, I think it's a really important and easy thing that you can do to build trust with people. Yeah, There's a lot of research and there's the idea that we want to solve problems for other people. Like if you care about somebody or you see somebody and they come to you and they share something like that, it's difficult. And there's a lot of tendency for us to try to solve the problem in that moment or try to spin it and say, no, don't feel so bad. At least you're with your mom still. And that is, that doesn't feel good. Like if you've ever lost somebody close to you, or sometimes, you know, you'll have a family member, you know, I lost my dad years ago. And sometimes people would come and say, well, at least you got to spend so much time with him and he's in a better place. And you hear things like that. That does not make you feel better. Uh, you know, the other person's trying to help. So I was never angry when I heard those things. And I probably said things like that to other people just thinking, well, I'm going to try to spin the positive on it. But really what the other person needs to hear is that sucks. I'm sorry that you're going through that. This is hard. 
that must be hard. And without the problem solving and why we need to hear that is because we're humans. We need to know that the other person is listening. I, it occurred to me as you were talking, Bethany, like the authenticity piece is us kind of speaking out and asking questions and being authentic. The empathy piece is us listening back. So it's like those two different pieces. It's the really it's the communicating, but communicating in a really pure, authentic way of I'm going to share my strengths, but I'm also going to share my weaknesses. And then when you share those back to me, I'm going to connect with you in a way that shows you that I'm actually listening and that I care about what it is that you're saying. Uh, so for the problem solvers out there, you don't have to solve the problems. Yeah. Are you going to add something, Bethany? No, I agree with that. I think that's a good observation to sort of say that one of them is sort of like the the outgoing and one of them is more of the in, the incoming, the receiving. So I like that. Yeah. So now that we're communicating effectively, now that you're talking to your coworkers and you're asking questions, and one of the reasons I know some coworkers are like, I don't want to get into all your crap. Like, I don't want to hear about it, right? Sometimes I've heard people say that, but there's a benefit. You don't have to solve all the problems. You don't have to figure all that stuff out. Sometimes just listening and empathizing and then sharing what you see, building that relationship that starts to build the trust. Uh, but then there's the third component of this, which I always I thought was weird. When I heard, the, I, I heard this on, uh, it was actually a TED Talk, um, on, while I was on doing a long drive back and they were laying out the components. And I think they laid it out in the order that we're actually talking about them now, not when I initially listed these. And they talked about authenticity and they talked about empathy. And I'm like, yes, yes, of course. And then they said, and then of course, logic. And I was like, what? Wait, logic? I know that one seems out of place with all of those three. When you when we said those before, I was thinking like, oh, okay, logic. Okay, yeah. let's talk about it. This is one that I was like, yep, this makes sense to me. So what makes sense to, to you about that one, Stephanie? Why does that one click for you? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like it still has to make sense, right? Like I could I could have respect for you, you know, for your authenticity. We could have bonded on an emotional level. But if you're still at the end of the day trying to convince me that the moon is made out of cheese, like I don't trust you, you know? And I know I'm using a really, really silly example, but I think like we confront this all the time, right? And I, not to get us into a political discussion, but I think we're experiencing this a lot in our country right now, where it's like, we might have someone in our life who we really love them. Um, we respect them. We trust them on a lot of levels, but then they have a very opposing viewpoint to us. And our logic just does not agree with one another on these things. And so because of that, then there is a certain level of distrust when it comes to those particular issues, because I don't trust maybe that you're going to do the quote unquote right thing or what I would perceive as the right thing there because our logic doesn't agree. Yeah. If you hear a little crazy talk, you're not going to trust that person. Like I, we can be as authentic as we want to, but if you, if you're telling me things that are just so outlandish or so different than what I believe or know to be true, I'm not going to trust you. Right, right. And yeah, I'm trying, and I'm intentionally trying not to bring up a topic because I don't want this to get hot button on anything. So we'll keep with the moon is cheese, which I love to tell children because they're seeing their reactions is so amazing. And I mean, maybe that's a good example of like, I recently like said to my net or actually Bethany's son was in the office and we were looking at um, NASA.com, which they have a really cool interactive thing because we're both into astronomy. And we're talking about these different things. And he's like, yeah, and see all those holes. And I was like, yeah, because that it's Swiss cheese. And he was like, 
And it was so sweet because sweet Dawson, I'm like, I think we had built trust at that moment because we related to one another. We're like, science is cool and we love space and we're being authentic of, oh, this is what I like. And oh yeah, I don't understand that either. And isn't space amazing. And then I threw out, oh yeah, but it's because the moon is made of cheese. And he was like, he knew logically that was not right. And so I think there was that moment of like, wait, have I been sitting with this lady at her desk for half an hour? listening to her talk about science and I was going along with everything and she thinks the moon is made of cheese. He thought it was hilarious. He brought it up to me later. I like that. He, I like the, that's a great analogy because a lot of times if you do hear something that is crazy and we did another episode of this, we called the be curious. The good thing to do is to ask a question because there may be more information of that. Like if you never did resolve that you were joking about that, you're absolutely right. Might be like, I, whatever else she said, I do not trust because she did not. And she thought the moon was made of cheese. Once he realized that that's a joke and leaned into it, then it suddenly that actually deepened the relationship. So one of the things they talked about in that TED talk is that, yes, there's two forms of the logic. There is the, you have bad logic and I don't trust your bad logic. But the more common one is, I just don't understand your logic. I just don't follow it. So you have logic, but you're not. the other person's not following it. I'll give a good example. We had a CEO recently who's been going through a lot of personal struggles, like a lot of, a lot of issues, uh, personal, and it's, it's starting to carry things into the office. And they're, they're impa- it's impacting some decisions he's making in terms of the company of things he's just not dealing with. Some things that he probably should jump into and maybe start to work with. And he's just not, he's just not dealing with it. Uh, And for a little bit, like you could start to hear the buzz of the employees of like, I don't understand why you're not dealing with these things. Why are you not jumping in? Why are you not handling this with both? Why are you sitting on the sidelines right now? It doesn't make sense to us. And then finally, he went to the team and he explained and he just said, hey, I've got a lot of stuff going on. I just don't have the capacity or energy to go deal with these things. And he can, and he, he shared that with the team and you would not believe what kind of an impact that had on the team, such a positive impact, because suddenly I think that logic side was being threatened for a while. It's like, you're not making good decisions right now. I don't like the direction you're going. And suddenly when he offered some context around those decisions, it's now I understand the logic. Now we're back in, into the trust mode again with each other. And it got the team better aligned. Um, but that, I think that logic component is interesting. Hmm. I was, yeah, as we were sharing that story, I thought that's totally spot on because context is definitely a piece of it. And logic also implies systems and process, you know, and what's ironic, Ben, who's, uh, on our team as well, his doctorate is in philosophy and his major passion is syllogisms. So creating an argument, and it could be that you disagree with an argument, but how well formed is that. And even the respect of, you know, I disagree with you, but I see that you have sound and reasonable reasons, right? Like there's a flow here that makes sense and fits as opposed to there's no rhyme or reason to what you're doing. Um, That's not the kind of person you want to like drive with. I don't know. Sometimes I think logic, if you're in the car with someone and we travel, we drive with each other, you kind of learn a lot about each other. And there was one point, uh, Bethany, Stephanie and I were on our way uh, to Illinois and the map was saying to do one thing and we weren't sure. And then suddenly, you know, like last one, we're like, oh my gosh, we're in the wrong lane and there's a median coming. And so you just kind of turn, it was a crazy moment. Um, and thank goodness that's only once when we're driving. Uh, I was the driver, but normally I think if you're just living constantly with logic that doesn't track, that's just unnerving. So I think logic does, it makes sense that it bridges both these things, the people you relate to yourself and then how you go about doing things. 
Mm -hmm. I also think with building trust with these three things, like the entry points different for different situations and different people. So it's not always a, you have to start with empathy and then build authenticity and then create logic. Like, I don't think it's that simple just talking to somebody else to, um, in a coaching conversation, like we're about a situation of like, there's a lack of trust between these two employees. And so we start kind of breaking down that and, and it's not out of, um, a disrespect in terms of like personal, like they're, they, they're very compassionate and they think, um, you know, a lot about this person and some of the personal decisions that they've made and they could probably really empathize with them and, and all of those things. And they're willing to be authentic with this person too. But I think it came down to the logic side of things. And part of what we talked about was like, I don't think there's trust because, um, because I don't know if, if the other person feels respected as a professional and I think that it's like, there was a difference between looking at, you know, how this person does the job versus how the job was being done before. And then being able to ask the question of, is, is this department still performing the way that it needs to perform? Is it still meeting expectations? Does it just look different than it did before? And so I think that sometimes it comes down to things like that, that's sort of like, you know, they're willing, she's, you know, this person's willing to build some kind of a relationship with this person personally. But when it comes down to it is like, that trust is probably not going to be built solely on just saying, so tell me about your life and your family and what's going on in your world. Like, that's just not going to work there because what needs to happen is there needs to be some trust built on the professional side. And like, do you, do you believe that this person is actually effective in their job and you have to be able to to meet them there first so that's a great concept I think about my career when I was an engineer most engineers if you approach them and said like tell me about your life and you're like let's let's, let's really dive into this and you started there are probably going to resist that because we all have different probably those three different components we probably value those differently and we probably think of which one do I want to start with Right. If you work in some, I've, I've met some people that you start with and like, I got to get to know you a little bit first before I can even work with you before we even have this conversation. Can I ask you a few personal questions? And it's like, so that, that's what they, they wanted to start with that, that dialogue. But then I've had some people like, nope, let's just jump in and let me see if I think that you can do the things that you do and have professional respect for you so I can follow your logic. And then if you have that, then that opens the door for others. And I think what's important is to recognize that what if you're trying to build trust with the other person mm-hmm. is you have to meet them where they want to be, not where you are. So if you value the logic, but they value more of the vulnerability, you may need to start with the vulnerability to get back to the logic. So you have to meet the other person where they are. So I think we gave some really good practical tips today, guys. I think we did a good job. We talked about basically a lot of it's communication, having conversations, it's being willing to be authentic and share. And when you're right or when you're wrong and admitting those things, it's being willing to empathize and listen to the other person, but it's also being willing to communicate and ask questions along the way to make sure like you're following each other, that the logic makes sense. Uh, what, what Any last words, takeaways here from our group, suggestions? All right. So that was authentic. That was very authentic. Ask the group. Nope, Don, you gave the summary and you probably took all the points away. Bethany, what did you say? (laughs) It's all good. I think it's important though. But like I said, it it builds off of our last episode too in in terms of like creating buy-in and building trust is is so important for lots of reasons, not just to create buy-in. And I think to just reiterate what we said before is like, don't wait to build 
trust when you need something from somebody if like this is something that you should be actively doing with people because it just makes like your life better and it makes work better and um and think on all of those different areas and so just do it just do it (laughs) shut up turn this off and go do it now go do it now go build some relationships with some other people because you're going to need those you want to build those before you need to use them so build those relationships now So hopefully this was useful to you all. We love the feedback, everybody. Keep that stuff coming. It makes these episodes better as we think about how to apply those things. Sometimes we just talk about something and we see it so often that we kind of say something really fast and people are like, no, dive a little more into that. Like, how does that really work? Give us some more examples on that. Like, we're happy to hear those things because we love to dive in more. Uh, But thanks so much for joining us here on the People Centric Podcast and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the People-Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then... Be well and lead well.